Welcome to Grown Up. I'm Avery Moorclass, and today I have a great guest for you. It helps that she's an old friend from journalism school, but she's also my most badass journalist buddy, out there holding politicians to account and making her mark on Canada's Parliament Hill. Crazy talented Globe and Mail parliamentary reporter, Christy Kirkup. So, what's it like traveling across the world on the Prime Minister's plane? Let's ask the expert. I remember growing up, all I wanted was to be a grown up. Now I'm grown up. From the very first day I met Christy Kirkup, I knew she was going to be a killer journalist. In something as high pressure as journalism school, you can tell. It's pretty easy to see which classmates are going to win the awards, chase down the big stories, and get their byline on the front page. In investigative reporting class, when I was nervously trying to book a local candidate for city council, Christy was already out interviewing a cabinet minister. She's just the kind of person who questions everything and then goes out and finds the answer and doesn't stop until she's at the finish line. For that reason and more, she is a fantastic reporter. Now, I am going to do something that Christy will capital letters hate, which, I'm not going to lie, makes me want to do it even more. I am going to gloat over her and list some of her amazing achievements. Christy is one of the most humble people I know, which means she deserves to be celebrated and at the same time, completely embarrassed by how proud of her I am. Christy Kirkup has worked for almost all of Canada's large media companies over the past 10 years. From local CTV News in Ottawa to CBC News, Sun News and the Canadian Press, Christy's work has helped to explain the intricacies of Canada's political landscape to viewers and readers all across the country and beyond. Christy has followed two prime ministers across the country, covered many elections, and was part of a team of Canadian press reporters that won a Canadian Journalism Foundation Jackman Award for Excellence in Journalism and were nominated for a National Newspaper Award for a series they did about sexual trauma in Indigenous communities. By the way, if I didn't make those two awards sound like big deals, they are big, big deals. Most recently, she's landed at the Globe and Mail as their parliamentary reporter. Watch for that front page byline, folks. And because she's the pro, meet my favorite political reporter. My name is Christy Kirkup, and I'm a political reporter. Part of my job involves finding out what's going on on Parliament Hill, and it's uh, usually pretty busy. The Canadian government made the decision today to suspend diplomatic operations. And often tracking down different politicians. Newly minted NDP leader was uh, going toe-to-toe with Stephen Harper for the very first time. But it's also about trying to explain kind of why, why political stories matter. Kate Hart and her four-month-old feline just wrapped up a road trip from Ottawa to Ogdensburg, New York. Hart went south of the border to get Mr. Jay Gatsby vaccinated and to save money. Trying to also think about people outside of the Ottawa bubble and always trying to think about why is this an issue that people should care about and how can I communicate what's happening on Parliament Hill and make sense of it in a way that resonates with everyday people. 
When I was younger, uh, I just always really, really wanted to tell people stories. And it was something that I knew that I wanted to do from the time that I was a kid. My brother got a karaoke machine for Christmas. And the karaoke machine became a tool that was used a lot. I was the interviewer, and usually my brother was the interview subject. And I would uh, essentially create talk shows on this karaoke machine. And I would always dream about kind of having my own show. Right now I'm covering politics, but what I love about just the work that I do is talking to people. And so I do get paid to talk for a living, which is fun. And now, what I call a 30-second history of the job, a segment that not only takes me much more than 30 seconds, but also one that I wish Christy could have written for me this time. Because I am willing to bet good money that during our first year intro to journalism class, she was listening and I was not. Journalism is one of those professions that spans history. Transmitting the news really just began with word of mouth. Far from the days of the 24-hour news cycle or live tweeting newsworthy events on Twitter, word of mouth news took days, weeks, months, and even years to disseminate. A note to say, because Christy is primarily a print reporter at this moment, I'm going to focus my attention there. Notably, the Roman Empire of Julius Caesar began recording and distributing a daily record of political news and social events that continued until the empire collapsed. And here we're talking in the BC years, you know, when they counted backwards. Now, let's jump ahead. 1450, Johannes Gutenberg invents the printing press. This gives rise not only to the wide dissemination of the Bible, but in England and Europe, printed news books or pamphlets on single topical events like battles, disasters, and public celebrations. In fact, the very first known example of a recorded eyewitness account is on the English victory over the Scots at the Battle of Flodden in 1513. Did I pronounce that right? YouTube says... Flodden. Yes. I think it's interesting to note here that Gutenberg's invention wasn't just a device. It was a jumping off point for the popularization of the freedom of information exchange. From there, the history of journalism takes a long road through government censorship, the creation of liable laws, and of course, propaganda. Newspapers arrive in Europe in the 17th century. By 1665, England sees its first newspaper, the Oxford Gazette. And in Canada, we see the first newspapers pop up in Nova Scotia and Quebec in the early 1750s. But I will say they are largely instruments of colonial governments written by government officials. By the 1800s, we start to see independent newspapers as printing becomes less expensive, literacy rates increase, and the appetite for news amps up. The Globe and Mail, where Christie works, was founded in 1936 when George McCullough combined two influential Canadian dailies, The Globe and The Mail and Empire. Listen, I just skipped a lot, but let's just assume that the road from the first independent reporters to today's Twitter-dependent journalists is filled with ups and downs. Let's focus on one of those ups, the launch and growth of one of my favorite reporters, my friend Christy Kirkup. 
A note about audio here, we refer to it later, but we did record this outside in Gatineau, Quebec this past summer. And this podcast maker learned a valuable lesson about placing microphones on patio tables. So sorry for the bumps and brushes. Well, enjoy. Christy, lovely old friend Christy, thank you for agreeing to let me shove a microphone in your face to be on Grown Up. Well, um, the tables are turned in this scenario, so (laughs) I figure I have to play ball. And do you feel awkward yet? A little bit, yeah. Is it bizarre for someone to start asking you questions when you're not prepared for it? (laughs) Definitely. I think that as a journalist, one of the things perhaps that I thrive on is the element of control because I'm in control of the questions. I know where the story is going. And when the microphone is pointing in the other direction, that is a feeling that I'm not used to. It's like, okay, what is she going to ask me? What am I going to say? Am I going to sound like I make any sense? Well, I feel like anyone who works in broadcasting doesn't like the sound of their voice, but they do it regardless. So just don't listen to this episode. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Any tips for me on how to get the right scoop from you? I have no tips. Just be yourself. Flying free. Okay. So you start as a kid uh, with a microphone from a karaoke machine pretending to make or I guess making actual radio shows doesn't necessarily mean they have real guests but how do you how do you go from that to kind of verbalizing this idea that like hey I want to be a reporter or a journalist or working in broadcasting I think it all kind of came together for me when I was in high school and at the time I was going to a theater school and I you know, was kind of talking to some of my friends and I just was really, you know, for example, even in our theater program, we would have an assignment where we would go and, you know, watch a play and it was always, we'd have to come up with reports after and it was always, you know, I enjoyed theater and I loved theater, but I liked going to the show and then writing about going to the show more than anything else. And it was always the writing piece, the storytelling piece that really interested me. And so that's when I just kind of thought about, you know, okay, maybe this is something I could do. And my mom had always told me I should find a job where I could get paid to talk. And uh, journalism felt like a natural fit for that, talking to people. And then again, being able to take that content and, you know, listen back to it and, and create something. Um, It's so interesting because I feel like I've known you for 14 years. Really? That long? Yeah, because first year university. I'm not as young as I used to be. See, you're a (laughs) grown-up. Am I a grown-up? No, I don't. This is terrifying. (laughs) If I'm a grown-up, someone please push the pause button. This is the quintessential moment in your life where you're like, "Uh uh-oh, now I'm a grown-up. Because I went to theater school, too, and I hated acting. I loved being there. I hated acting. But I loved writing plays. And that was part of my, like, I think I'd already decided, like, uh, you know, I want to be a journalist, but but that was part of it. I was like, obvi- I'm always, like, somehow drawn back to the writing, which is interesting. And which is interesting for you because you were in broadcasting and now you're kind of back to print print medium a little bit, right? Yeah. It, for me, I kind of told myself, uh, especially given the changing landscape of uh, journalism, I always told myself that, 
you know, it was important to kind of stick your finger in every pot. And the writing piece, I think, is a central thread, no matter if you're in broadcasting or in print, and it's a different kind of writing. It, I always talk about it kind of putting your brain almost on different railroad tracks, broadcast versus print, but uh, I wanted to be able to do the job that I'm doing now because it was an amazing opportunity to cover politics full-time and you know I think that I'm constantly working on being a better writer a better reporter a better interviewer I hope that I never lose that feeling of you know wanting to be better because I think that no matter what you do hopefully in the morning you get up and you think okay how can I be better at what I'm doing and in journalism I think you can always work on journalism can take different shapes um, but how can you work on becoming a better writer a better interviewer I think I think for me my natural inclination is I really enjoy interviews yeah. and I really enjoy gathering content and then one of the areas that I've kind of had to work on or focus on I guess would be a more accurate term would be after I do the interviews how do, how do I tell what's the writing experience like yeah and how can I go back and and I think of something that weighs on my mind is how can I make sure that the person you know that I've just interviewed mm -hmm. especially if they're talking about really sensitive issues yeah. how can I make sure that they're seen in what I'm about to produce and trust is something that matters to me like that's the type of thing that keeps me up at night is I want if people are trusting you with something so intimately important to them and it's being put out to a large audience or you know uh, readership how can I make sure that people still see themselves and feel like they are accurately represented well and if work? you do any kind of work like that I feel like there is a lot of pressure where you can do an interview with someone that lasts 35 minutes and you're going to use 45 seconds of something they said the difference between good journalism and bad journalism is are you able to put that into context so that that 35 seconds accurately represents what they said in 35 minutes I mean when I was a reporter that was I mean man that was big pressure to it's make stressful stressful because there's so many different facets to especially things that are really sensitive, right? Like, how do you how do you deal with that when you're dealing with something so sensitive to make sure that, you know, one, you're doing a service to the public, but also that you really are representing what someone's saying properly and not taking it out of context? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it's something that weighs on me a lot, to be honest with you. I think that um, trust is not something that comes easy, nor should it. I think the fact that, you know, if it does worry you, that's a good place to start. That's true. I'm going to say for audio sake, for anyone who's listening, we are sitting on a patio in Gatineau, Quebec. Um, so you might hear like a mosquito buzz by. I think there's some howling in the like background. Should we be in the con background? <laughs> or at some point, actually, in one of uh, part of this interview, the hot tub started to heat itself so it's a real rough life for listeners who are interested in why it sounds like we're in the forest it's because we're in the forest we are with a hot tub <laughs> oh i like it i think it adds charm it's fine okay so you uh go from high school you get into one of the best journalism schools in the country what's that like for you i mean i was there but i i would love to know from kind of like your perspective what Those was it like to get years. in? Oh. No, I just let's skip right into like being a journalism student. Was it, would you say what it's, was you, it, it, it 
is blah, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I used to do this for a living. Would you say it's what you had expected it would be when you said when as a kid you, you know, were making your radio shows and saying you wanted to be a journalist? Did it did it play out the way you thought it would? No, but I think I think what I would say is that I found that um, you know journalism education. I found the program itself. Well, they were some very you know it was a very challenging time um, just because uh, I think that the program was designed again to kind of set you up to be able to be a broadcaster or a print writer. And at the time in my mind I kind of had an idea of like okay well I want to be a broadcaster and this is what I want to do and Mm -hmm. so once I was able to get to that part of the program that's when I felt like I started to thrive more but it's funny because when I was in you know when we were studying print there were certain things that people were really trying to instill in me at that time and I didn't understand why they mattered Mm -hmm. and now I thank the program very much for being able to transition from, you know, different broadcast jobs to working in print. And quite frankly, I think that we're in the midst of, you know, again, seeing the media landscape, especially as it converges online, people are writing web stories, they're doing broadcast work, we're all wearing different hats. And so I think the program really set, you know, me up for being able to be flexible and transition to different platforms. Um, But it was not something that necessarily came easy when I was really putting my head into it in school. But I'm really grateful um, because I think that people need to be able to wear different hats, not just in journalism, but just career-wise. We know that likely people will change careers many different times and being flexible was something that was really kind of instilled in us in the program. So I'm, I'm you know, it's interesting that. that just kind of talking to people who are running journalism schools. Now I have a few kind of friends in, in that business in university and college. It's definitely shifting this idea that, you know, when we went to journalism school, it was like you go to journalism school to be a journalist. And if you want to be in communications, do mass comm. And now it's funny. I'm seeing this shift in talking to people who are, training people in journalism this idea that like we're teaching a skill that can be used for a bunch of different things and we need to accept that because there aren't that many journalism jobs you know like popping up here and there if anything you know print you know there's been it's got has its ups and downs but it's a pretty shaky industry sometimes and so it's it's interesting to see the kind of shift in journalism schools now is like you know we're training people for social media we're training people for um, doing communications work corporate communications writing freelance writing I don't know do did you feel like we had that I, I really think like not having worked outside of journalism that everything we did did prepare us. But there was always this kind of sense of like, you know, you're here to be a journalist. This is how you be a journalist. And now I feel like journalism is shifting into this territory where you have to kind of be a bunch of different things. And journalism schools are trying to follow that. It's kind of it's mm. not a question, but it's just kind of an interesting something that recently I've come upon, which I thought was was kind of interesting for the people who are in journalism now is that they're not actually necessarily in journalism to be journalists, which is kind of an interesting shift to me. But yeah, I think I I mean, again, I think it goes back to that central thread for me where I think that writing at 
you know, at its core. That's what I really wanted to do. And I think that that, no matter, you know, I've worked for four different media companies and I've done, you know, very different jobs in the industry itself. But w- the the common thread is the writing piece and mm. as well interviewing. But I think that becoming a good communicator and becoming an effective writer and being able to cut through information quickly is a real skill it's a real professional skill and uh that's my baby knocking on a patio door <laughs> mom life i like it and there's dads going to get <laughs> okay let's talk about the cool factor of your job because uh i think is from there a cool the- factor okay so here's the thing about journalists that they don't understand everyone else thinks it's really cool and journalists are like it's just kind of normal um i found when i was a reporter someone would say what are you and i'd say oh i'm a radio reporter and they say whoa that's so cool and i'd say the same thing is it but what would you say is the coolest part of what you do i think the opportunity to be able just as a political reporter to be able to hear from people who uh, are in positions of power that is always you know i think that it's never lost on me that those are rare opportunities um, and to be able to put questions uh, to people in positions of of authority, you know, whether it was putting a question to Stephen Harper or putting a question to Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, uh, you know, being able to ask a prime minister a question mm-hmm. um, that just to be able, you know, there are many countries, uh, you know, where journalism or journalists come under attack, journalism as well itself comes under attack. Um, So that is, you know, it's never lost on me that that is, um, that's that's something uh, important uh, and critical that we do. Mm -hmm. I like to be able to talk to people from just different walks of life. And that's what journalism has done for me, where I've kind of, met and talked to people that are going through sometimes the most horrific circumstances Mm -hmm. and yet they are placing their trust in you to tell their story you know and there's travel involved which is fun beyond just being a political reporter occasionally we get to do like travel pieces where I work and you know being able to to just again be a writer and talk about you know cool things to do in the area sometimes it's just being able to use your brain in different ways but can you quick short list tell me the places you've been in a, to report traveling i've been to um covering election campaigns i've been to lots of different places throughout canada like you know small town ontario to vancouver to the far north i've gone to akalawood a few times um and then internationally i've gone to Jerusalem in 48 hours and back. Um, I recently went to Argentina uh, for the G20, different events that are happening wherever the prime minister goes. Uh, you know, one of the reporters in my newsroom will go. So that has led me on some uh, interesting experiences. And for some reason, I've often ended up on the trips where you go to South America. I've been to South America, I think, three times. Um a couple of times with uh, Stephen Harper and then once with... Uh, so I think once with Trudeau, Trudeau, sorry, I'm cutting off, but I think what people don't realize is that you actually travel often on the Prime Minister's plane when you go to those faraway places, yes. correct? What is that like? 
Um, you're at the back of the plane, and uh, you don't. It's not like you're sitting up near the prime minister. It's you know, there's a bunch of staff um, between the journalists at the back of the plane, and then you know, officials and people who are sitting at the front of the plane, closer to where the prime minister is. So, but there's a lot of security. Obviously, it's kind of one of those situations where you know. You go from flying with the prime minister who, you know, there's just certain things that uh, in terms of like being able to leave at a certain time, mm-hmm. like it's not like a commercial flight that, you know, when when they want and need to leave, if you're on that plane, yeah. they are going to, they're in full control of that plane versus like a paying customer who right. they might wait. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because so, it's on the prime minister's timeline. Yes. Right. So does the prime minister know your name? Like if you're in your scrum, sure. do they, how does that all work? Like for someone who's never been in something like that before, like a press conference or something where the prime minister sure. is speaking, how, how do you go about asking questions and how does that work? So, yeah, if you were in a press conference situation, you would, um, you know, step up to the microphone and say your name. Um, so I would say, you know, Christy Kirkup and then go on to say my question. So, I mean, I've asked the prime minister a question quite a few times, but again, I'm not going to sound like a... A jerk just insinuate anything. But <laughs> no, yes. this is your job and it's what you do every day. And I think I just want people to have like a kind of insider view. Okay, you've, ta- you've talked about kind of like the cool factor. What's a really bad day in journalism look like? Um, well, a bad day in journalism. First of all, I would say that one of the things that's the most difficult, like on a daily basis, is of course like feeling the deadline pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, you know, you you want to be able to, you know, go and chase a story and find out all, you know, all the facts and all yeah. you need to know. Um, but there's a certain limitation, which is, you know, I need to be able to produce this story by the end of the day. So, um, you know, I would say the harder days are when, you know, really unpredictable things happen Mm -hmm. and you're, you know, trying to get to the bottom of a story and you're encountering a lot of roadblocks or the worst is like when you can't get a hold of anyone. And I would say the kiss of death in journalism or someone told me this years ago, like the kiss of death in journalism is just to say, oh, well, no one called me back. So like, that's that. Right. You have to keep calling. And so... Because the deadline that, comes and something has to get filed. Yes, it's idea. not like yeah. I can have the luxury of of writer's block. Like or that's saying not, like, oh, well, no one called me back today, so sorry, guys. I mean, there yeah. are times where stories don't come together, For and sure. it's not like you're going to produce something that's not, you know, uh, factual or anything like that. It, it's just a matter of, okay, well, some days are are difficult in terms of getting people, you know, if it's a holiday, getting people on the line and tracking them down at a particular time and getting them to respond to, you know, there might be a story that you're just trying to get them to react to, like an event that's happened and to be able to connect with them. So I don't know if this is really answering your question, um, but I think that that, um, the worst case scenario also involves... I mean, there can be some really, really serious stuff that you have to cover um, that I've covered in my career. And on top of the deadline pressure, mm-hmm. the like emotional pressure of um, trying to be able to contact, you know, family members uh, after people have died. Yeah. Um, those are some of the harder ones for sure. For sure. Well, I, I just I asked the question because I think people have especially for something like a Parliament Hill reporter, like really um, 
glamorous ideas of what that looks like. And and I want people to know that it's not all it's not always glamour. You know, it's like it's like ninety nine percent non glamour. Yeah, exactly. In fact, uh I would say to answer your original question about like, you know, what do you do every day? Um, I'm pretty much trying to hunt down information, usually hunt down people to talk about it. I rarely take a lunch break if I ever take a lunch break because I'm constantly feeling this like deadline pressure. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm like cramming for an exam that I have to write at the end of every single day. Like I'm thrown into situations or, you know, thrown onto stories and, you know, it, I'm lucky in that I do have, you know, we have a beat system and I can, mm-hmm. you know, uh, dig in deeper on on my beat. But there are also days when something big is happening and you, you know, you have to learn about it um, and and then write about it uh, within a very short period of time. It's funny, when I was in reporting, I would always say, people say, oh, you know so many things. And I'd say, yeah, I know a lot about everything, but I don't know everything about one thing. Like, you end up kind of like a little bit of an expert in all sorts of different things. And it's it's not, I mean, it makes for, like, you can come up with, like, interesting dinner party conversation. But <laughs> at some point, you have to ask yourself, like, where is all that information filed away? Right? You've got a brain full of facts there, miss. Yeah, well, I... I I hope so. I think sometimes, <laughs> I don't know, like you go from like, you know, you're just, again, you're wearing different hats and and uh, covering so many different things that sometimes mm-hmm. it all feels like a blur. I think yeah. that as you ask me this question, I'm like kind like of in that file. state. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> trying to like, pull the fire folder and be like, where is all that, that is stuff? That is actually, actually yeah. exactly the picture I had in my mind, which was like, what file fo- folder is this story in? Okay, yes, I do. And so... You know, again, I think that if you're able, I'm again, I'm lucky that I get to cover um, some of the same issues on a regular basis and develop contacts, yeah. and that's a big part of what I do. Build relationships, but um, and build those relationships for sure. But yeah, I I sometimes feel like I'm a a master of none, wow. not a grown up, not a master <laughs> of anything. Just I think you're a lovely grown up, Christy Kirkup looking for answers every day every single day that's funny okay i have two big questions for you left one is i'm sure that all the time you get that email from a friend saying oh my son or daughter wants to go into journalism um i still get that and i'm not actively a reporter but regardless if you were in front of a room and i'm sure this has probably happened to you at some point of people who are maybe looking at journalism or maybe just looking at anything that they want to do that they're passionate about. What's your, what's your like best nugget of advice for those people? I feel like for me, becoming a journalist was almost like a light switch that I couldn't switch off. Mm -hmm. Um, After I studied journalism at Carleton, I ended up doing an education degree. And at that time, uh, the program was only a year. And when I was studying to become a teacher, and I think that there are common threads between journalism and teaching mm-hmm, because fundamentally definitely. you're taking ideas and explaining them in a way that people can understand and also hopefully in an, in an engaging way. And I felt like the whole time I was in teacher's college, I kept feeling like, oh, well, you know, 
I was thinking about education stories as opposed to like how I could become a better, right. you know, a better teacher. And that was the moment I knew that this was just like something that was so deeply baked into me that I felt like I needed to stay true to that. Mm-hmm. And I knew it was going to be hard. And I, and you know, and there's ups and downs in everyone's career. And now that I'm 10 years in, I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say, I love, you know, there was a job that I had for a time where I had to get up at 3 a.m. and I went into work at 4 a.m. on Saturdays and Sundays because it was an opportunity. It was, um, you know, a shoe in in the door. Is that a saying? A foot in the... Foot in the door. Foot in the door. See? Shouldn't write for a living. Just kidding. Um, (laughs) Needless to say, I was going in because I, you know, was obviously really passionate about wanting to do, Mm -hmm. to tell stories, to be a reporter, but it didn't come without a cost. But I have kind of, I guess, to answer your question, I've always told myself that, you know, I really need to stay true to myself about what I want to do and what makes you know, to be passionate about something. So I think no matter what you want to do, and it's uh, especially, again, in a changing media landscape or, Mm -hmm. again, we all will probably wear different hats and work for many different places because that's that's just statistically how things are at this particular time. But I think people should just think about, like, what is the thing about me that makes me me? So, again, I talk a lot, like, talk nonstop. What is the thing that makes me me, and how can I parlay that into a career? Or, again, lots of people will also, you know, are really passionate and they they have hobbies as well. I don't think I have hobbies, which is probably a problem, but that's a whole other conversation <laughs> because journalism has been an all-consuming like it's a passion career and for a me. hobby. Yeah. Yeah, but that's like I should probably, you know, do some stuff for myself too, but um <laughs> main point being people should just think about like what is it about me? Who am I? And mm-hmm. what just like comes naturally and like going back to that light switch analogy, yeah. what is the thing that you just can't turn off or that, that path you just somehow keep being drawn back to because of, because of who you are. Mm-hmm. And for me, those are skills that could be used in, in many different ways. And I think that that's, what's amazing about something like journalism as a writer, being able to foster those skills, um, it can unlock a number of opportunities, but like what what's the spark i always think about a um high school teacher i i had and he taught math but he would talk about like he would say to the students in the room like wake up where where is the fire in your belly and what is it and just like do something with that so i'm not saying that every single day you're going to be passionate about your job but i think that that would be my advice is like what is the thing that you really love to do? Which leads perfectly into my last question, which I left to last because I kind of love your answer to it because it's similar to mine, which is, and you know I stand firmly on my soapbox that we need to stop asking kids, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? And we need to start asking them to be mindful about what's the contribution you want to make because that contribution can play itself out in a number of different ways, whereas you can pigeonhole yourself into, you know, this is the job I have to do because I always said I do it. So, Looking at what light, like you know, what's the fire in your belly? What what's the contribution that you wake up and think this is what I'm adding? This is what I'm contributing. What keeps you going? What's what? How would you put that into words? The contribution you're hoping to make? Oh my gosh! Some days I feel like the thing that keeps me going are like sugary snacks in the newsroom, which is again something that should like not be a thing. The old timey journalist who's like keeps 
<laughs> coffee and cigarettes. Well, Living there's definitely a lot of coffee. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that the thing that keeps me going is that I feel like stories, you know, I, I know that I'm a bit uh, bright eyed here as I'm like, oh, journalism can make a difference. Like it actually can. Um, and I'm not trying to pump my own tires in saying this, but I think that someone also said to me, like, okay, if you're a musician, you're not always going to hit the right notes. But like mm-hmm. when you do and you hit the right note and it's like really great, you're left with this feeling of like, wow, like I, that, that was amazing. Like I, I'm, I, I hit, I hit the note. And so I know that like as a daily news reporter, I'm not always going to hit the, like, I'm not always going to hit it out of the park. Mm-hmm. Some days I'm going to be running around and people aren't answering their phone. Maybe it goes back to your point about, you know, here's what a bad day looks like. Not every day is going to be a good day in any job you do. Sure. But on the days that I am able to tell a story or the story for me in, in the political context, it gets raised in the House of Commons or there is political change that comes totally. about as a result of your work or you know a recent example for me was I did a series of stories about indigenous women who were alleging that they had been coerced into having their tubes tied when they were going in to give birth and when I did a series of these stories it you know at least brought about an additional level of awareness about the fact that there were ongoing allegations of this happening Mm. and so as a reporter you know then after my story came out you know other news outlets like cbc people were were interviewing people about this and talking to people about this so again has the issue you know the alleged issue stopped people say no for me, obviously, that weighs on my mind because mm-hmm. people are, are still saying they're going through this or have been through this. But I think that being able to raise awareness about it and to be able to bring these stories out of the shadows, that is what drives me. That is what gets me up every day. And I'm like, this is what I'm meant to do. For better or for worse, this is what I'm meant to do. I'm meant to talk to people. I care deeply about earning their trust. And I have a platform to be able to tell their story on a national level. And, you know, whether I'm talking into a microphone or writing a story, people are talking and thinking about these issues because they are are reading about it. And so I think my contribution is hopefully to shine a light in dark places and bring a heightened level of awareness and hopefully more action on issues that for far too long have not been talked about or written about or thought about and so yeah maybe I'm on my soapbox now too but that's what motivates me sometimes being a reporter is super exhausting um it's like it's a grind um producing stories every day is a grind and not every day is glamorous most days aren't glamorous most days i I pine for being able to have like a coffee quietly by myself for five minutes and like collect my thoughts because it feels like a rat race. But some days when I can hit the high notes then I think, yep, there it is. That's why I do what I do. And I'm not under some false expectation that I'm going to be able to do that every day. Some days, like everybody else, I have crappy days at work and then I get up and I think, how's today going to be different and like what's a story that I really really want to tell or what needs to be told and how can people trust me to tell those really sensitive stories and if I don't tell them like if again maybe this is 
totally idealistic, but if there isn't a reporter to call to shine a light in those dark places, then what happens? What, where do those people go? Maybe they, again, go on social media and tell their own story. I, I don't know. But as a storyteller, how can we lift up these voices and tell people about really important issues or ask, you know, um, questions to government officials that they normally wouldn't be asked to hopefully get to the bottom of, like, you know, important situations that are happening. Well, I think you're a beautiful storyteller. Thank you. And I'm so glad you do what you do because it's really hard. And kudos to you for for sticking to it and for asking the questions that people don't want to answer because somebody has to. Thank you. And thank you for telling your story on Grown Up and well, doing this while we're at this lovely cottage. Well, you know what? It is, uh, <laughs> it's nice to be able to talk about why I'm passionate about what I do because all your questions are a reminder to me about why are you doing this in the first place? Because no matter what you're doing, I think sometimes we should all ask ourselves that question. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Pull yourself back maybe to that center mm-hmm. of like, what is it that I'm, again, what is it that I'm passionate about? Where's the fire in my belly? So being on the end of your microphone makes me feel like I have a fire in my belly today. Oh, good. <laughs> on, a, on a Saturday when hopefully you don't have to go report something. Well, thank you. I appreciate you doing this. Thank you. Grown Up is created, recorded, and edited by me, Avery Moore-Kloss, and my company, Folktale Studio. Portions of this episode were recorded at one of my happy places, the Switch Podcast Studio at Wilfrid Laurier University in downtown Brantford, Ontario. To keep up to date on what's coming next, follow us on Instagram or Twitter at Grown Up Pod. Over on our social channels, we'd love to hear your interview suggestions. We like to interview regular people who do interesting work, so drop us a name or a profession or, you know, just a note about something. Also, I would like to say if you got all the way to the end of this podcast and didn't subscribe, you should probably do that now. So thanks. And that's it. Thanks for listening. <laughs>